Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. Call InventHelp today for free information. InventHelp can submit your invention to companies who are interested in receiving new ideas. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-3719. That's 1-800-352-3719. This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, and I hope everyone had a very happy and merry Christmas this past week. As you know, I was out in the Bahamas. I had a blast. The weather was lovely. My company was lovely. We had a great time. It was much deserved, much overdue, but that's how I spent my Christmas out in Nassau, Bahamas. I think the weather was about 88 degrees. Uh, We were on the beach. Uh, Of course, on a cruise, you eat way too much, which I did. So I got some working out to do to make up for all the food I ingested over the Christmas weekend. But nonetheless, it was a great time. Much, much overdue vacation for me. And I had a a ball. And I hope everyone, whatever you did for Christmas, whether you spent it alone, whether you hung out with your family, as most people do, I hope you had a very merry Christmas. Now, of course, after Christmas comes... New Year's, right? And what most shows do is they go down and pick the top stories that they've covered from the ending year, right? So what I want to do for tonight's episode, since I won't talk to you into the new year now, is go over the top five stories or cases that we've discussed on Beyond the Badge in 2016 based on ranking order of how I rank those cases. Are those stories. Number five, the trial of the officers charged in the death of Freddie Gray. Now, brief recap Freddie Gray, a black man in Baltimore, uh, died in police after being in police custody, not in police custody. He died at the hospital. Let's clarify that. Back April of 2015, six officers were charged in his death. Of course, there were riots, there were protests, Black Lives Matter movement all converged in the Baltimore based on the death of Freddie Gray. Six officers were charged. Of course, mass media made it this whole racial thing, and here we were again about how police deal with blacks in the community. Baltimore State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby charged six officers with some pretty high charges in the death of Freddie Gray. And For those that are just starting to listen to Beyond the Badge, way back when this happened in 2015, I said there was no way that she would get a conviction of six officers. And I also couldn't understand how it was made racial when one of the six officers was Hispanic, two were black, and one of those blacks was a female. So, but you had the media and you had the state's attorney screaming racism and screaming how this innocent 
young man died as a result of his encounter with police. There was a cell phone video that showed Freddie Gray being arrested. Again, the technique that the police used in the video was textbook by the book in accordance with the use of force continuum. So as it went to trial, the first officer was found not guilty. The second officer ended in a hung jury. The third officer was found not guilty. Now, keep in mind, the judge was African-American, so we can't say that it was some kind of racial uh, prejudice that got these officers off. So eventually what happened, the state's attorney decided to save face and drop the charges against these officers. Now, the fact is simple. The officers on that day were acting in line with their duties. And what does that mean? They encountered an individual, Freddie Gray, who, based on his history, based on the police's knowledge, had a history of selling drugs in that neighborhood. What did Freddie Gray do when he saw the police? He ran. By nature, what did police do? They chased. They caught Freddie Gray. Somehow during the transport in the van after his arrest, he sustained a neck injury. Now, there's been reports that it was a pre-existing neck injury, whatever. The fact is, the officers on that day had no premeditated intentions of killing Freddie Gray. And their actions, the minimal use of force that they used, was in line with the use of force continuum, department policy. So therefore, there were no charges that ever should have come out of that. The only thing bringing charges against those six officers did was prove that we are at a point now where we want to appease certain groups just so they don't riot, just so they don't protest. That's all that proved. Because at the end of the day, Freddie Gray's family was paid substantially by the city of Baltimore. So not only did they get several million dollars, which came out of taxpayers' pockets, the trials cost several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Think about that. This state's attorney, who now has egg on her face, charged six officers just to appease certain groups so they would not continue to riot, they would not continue to protest, and they would not just make unreasonable demands in her city. Number four, Keith Lamont Scott. Brief recap, September 20th this year, 2016, 43-year-old black male Keith Lamont Scott was shot by Charlotte police after a confrontation. Now, here's another case that sparked uproar, protests, Black Lives Matter movement coming in and making demands. And it was another example of everyone rushing to a conclusion, everyone being a Monday morning cell phone police expert, cell phone video police 
expert. Well, I saw cell phone video, so it's got to be true. It's got to be racial. It's got to be another black man dying at the hands of police, right? Well, there's a few things interesting with this case. A, the officer that shot Mr. Scott was an African-American. Now, I've talked about on this show, me being an African-American and me being former police, having to have drawn my gun on countless male blacks who at the end of the day, had I had the imminent threat of serious bodily injury or death, I would have been within my right and trust and believe I would have pulled the trigger if the opportunity ever presented itself. And it had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with me wanting to keep a black man down. It had the fact that it is my right, not only as a police officer, but it is my right as a United States citizen to protect myself against deadly force by using deadly force if confronted with it. So in November of this year, the uh, district attorney there in Charlotte, Mecklenburg County, said there were no charges being brought against the officer. Now, this was based not on Monday morning quarterbackers, not on police cell phone video expert witnesses. This was actually based on 15, 15 prosecutors looking at all of the video and making the decision to say that the officer was justified in the shooting. And it set precedence because remember when this whole thing started years ago and we kept hearing from the administration how police need body cams because it will show how they mistreat blacks. Well, guess what? There were body cams and guess what it showed? That Mr. Scott did indeed have a gun. He did indeed not comply with commands. He did indeed lead the officers to believe that a imminent threat of death or bodily injury was present. And not only did police look at body cam video, guess what? Police, they do a real investigation. So they tracked Mr. Scott's steps from that day. There's actually surveillance footage of Mr. Scott getting out of his vehicle in front of a grocery store where you can clearly see the huge bulge inside his pant leg at the ankle, which is where police recovered the ankle holster. Now, there's even more because just like in Michael Brown, where the case came down to DNA, guess what? Mr. Scott's DNA was found on the handle and the slide of the gun recovered at the scene. The gun that actually had a bullet in the chamber, safety off, and it was cocked. So when you usually have your safety off, a bullet in the chamber and a gun cocked, your intention is not to just say, hey, look at me, I have a gun. I won't shoot you, Mr. Officer. Don't worry about the bullet in the chamber. Don't worry about it. it's cocked. I'm just showing you that I have a gun. No. A reasonable person would conclude that those were not Mr. Scott's intentions. Now let's dig a little further. Mr. Scott, a convicted felon, bought a gun that was stolen in a burglary. There's text messages from Mr. Scott 
and the guy he sold he bought it from that talks about him wiping his prints off and all of this other stuff and not telling people where he got the gun because guess what that guy that sold it to him is a convicted felon so here we had another case where people rushed to judgment you had all of these protests you had all of these demands and no one knew what the heck was going on the only thing they knew was a black man was killed by police and therefore it had to be racial. Even after the officer was black, that officer was called racist. He was called this. He's one of them. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, at the end of the day, Mr. Scott had a gun. He posed a threat to police, but no one wanted to take accountability for that. They only wanted justice for Keith Scott. Well, here's the justice Keith Scott would have received. Had he complied, and I can't tell you how many times I've used the word comply, had he complied with officers' commands over 10 times is caught on body cam, which, let's be honest, is not required. It is not required. Don't get confused that you have to give so many commands before you can shoot. You can say it one time as an officer, and if that suspect that individual does not comply with your commands after you say drop the gun you are justified in using deadly force and in some cases let's be honest you won't have time to say drop the gun because remember split second so the the justice that would have come for for keith scott would have been had he complied he would be alive he would be prosecuted for being a felon in possession of a weapon. But at the end of the day, his family would still have him here. Accountability, accountability, accountability. Number three, Alton Sterling, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, July 5th, 2016, 37 year old Alton Sterling was shot several times at close range while being held on the ground by Baton Rouge police. And here again, another case of cell phone police expert, cell phone video police expert, because it was caught on video and automatically it was racial, even though the video was like 35 seconds long. There's no backstory to the video, which I've said a hundred times. You can't take a 30 second clip and just pretend that you know what's going on without seeing everything without seeing the point from de-escalation up to escalation up to deadly force. So Alton Sterling background was at a store. Someone called 911 saying he had a gun. He had pointed it at people. He would not leave the store. So guess what? You call police. They show up. Now they didn't dispatch on purpose to white officers because they were dealing with a black individual no, those two white officers got dispatched because either A, it was in their patrol zone, or B, they were the closest officers to the scene at that time. That's how it works. It doesn't say, oh, it's a black guy, so send white officers, or it's a, a, a white guy, so send black officers. No, you're the closest officer. It's your zone. You take the call. So anyway, officers show up based on 
the cell phone video, there's a struggle between Alton Sterling and the two officers. <clears throat> now, in that struggle, you can hear the officers saying, gun, gun, gun. Now, at this point, Alton Sterling's on the ground, and then you hear several shots, and then, of course, screams from the people that were videotaping it. And what immediately happened after this? More riots, more protests, more Black Lives Matter movement coming in, demanding justice for the family of Alton Sterling, who was this innocent guy who had never done anything, and who was on the ground in a defenseless position, according to everyone that is a police expert, cell phone video expert. But let's look at the background of what really happened. Police encountered 37-year-old Alton Sterling, who had a history in Baton Rouge of resisting arrest, who had a history of carrying weapons, although he was a convicted felon for multiple drug charges, statutory rape, and a few other things, who had a history of resisting arrest while armed. Because even the previous year before his death, guess what Alton Sterling did? He resisted arrest while armed with the gun. So in theory, that death, the way it happened, could have happened the year before based on not the police's actions, not these two white devils wanting to kill this black man, but based on Alton Sterling's actions. Now, there are those that say, oh, well, he was on the ground. He was not a threat. Well, obviously, if you can hear the officer scream, gun, 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 there is a threat. Because until an individual is handcuffed, as long as they have free arms, there is a threat. And I can shoot from my back and hit my target center mass because I'm trained to do so. And if that target is right on top of me, if I'm Alton Sterling, I don't need to aim too much. All I need to do is pull the gun out of my pocket, point it upward, and shoot the individual being the police officer. But of course, no one wants to hear the stone-cold hard facts. The fact of the matter is, Mr. Sterling's actions, his resistance, him being armed with a gun, him pointing the gun at people getting the police called, is what led to his death. But instead of taking accountability for that, what happened? An individual decided to go out and kill three Baton Rouge police officers because he was upset about the death of Alton Sterling. Not taking into accountability any of the stone-cold hard facts that Alton Sterling was indeed responsible for his death, this individual decided to go out and kill three Baton Rouge police officers. And I think that story only got about a day or two worth of coverage versus the weeks and weeks of coverage that resulted from the death of Alton Sterling, an individual who was a convicted felon, who sold drugs, who raped little girls, <laughs> but everyone painted him out to be this big, happy teddy bear. 
Do you not see a problem in that? Three officers that go out and protect and serve all day, every day, get less coverage than a guy that on any given day would sell drugs to your daughter, to your son, who might rape your daughter, who might rob your daughter, your mother, your sister, your brother, your father. Huh. I think there's a huge problem in that. Number two, the Dallas police shooting. And this happened in July, and this one was very near and dear to me. I actually got on a plane the day after it happened and flew to Dallas to show my support for the five police officers shot and killed in Dallas, Texas. And for me to do that, you know, it really must have been personal to me. And here's the background on that story. Uh, July 7, 2016, Micah Xavier Johnson ambushed and fired upon a group of Dallas police officers while those Dallas police officers were protecting those that were protesting against police brutality. And the background is he was upset about the death of Alton Sterling, again, the convicted felon who had a gun who resisted arrest, and the death of Philando Castile, who uh, the girlfriend, wife, baby mama, whoever she was, live-streamed the video of him being shot and killed by police, uh, who had weed in the car and was probably making furtive movements uh, to hide that weed in the officer who knew there was a gun in the car, reasonably assumed he was going for the gun. But anyway, so this guy, Xavier Johnson, was upset about that. He was a, a war veteran from the Afghan war uh, who got out and had some other issues going on in his head, apparently shot and killed five Dallas police officers. Now, what's really interesting and what's really untold story of this entire thing those those Dallas police officers that that died and again I got a chance to go to Dallas I talked to some of the officers that were there on the scene that had been working 24 hours since the shooting and they were so hoarse because of all the yelling that they were doing getting people to safety the interesting thing those five officers that died were protecting those that were Minutes before, in their face, calling them all kinds of names, protesting against them because they're just this evil society of white men that kill black people. Those same evil group of white men gave their lives protecting those that were protesting against them. And I've said it before. I'll say it again, going into the end of this year. Police are the bravest people walking this earth. And I'm not saying that because I'm a little biased because I used to be one. But think about it. Police run to danger while everyone else runs away. We saw it September 11th and we saw it in Dallas July of this year. While this guy was going around popping shots off, Dallas police were getting people to safety, using themselves 
as shields just to make sure the public, who they're sworn to protect and serve, was not injured. Of course, this story got a lot of mainstream media attention, mainstream media airtime, and I think only because President Obama was there to speak and hand the mic over to the chief of police for Dallas, Texas. And speaking of President Obama, he made statements which lead to my number one story of 2016. And those statements to me were sickening in nature because at the memorial service for these five fallen Dallas police officers who happened to be white, and I think four were white, one was Hispanic, but at any rate, whatever color they were, the president of the United States, not of the black states, not of black America, but of all Americans at the memorial for five dead Dallas police officers who gave their lives protecting and serving those that hated them decides to say this. But even those who dislike the phrase Black Lives Matter, surely we should be able to hear the pain of Alton Sterling's family. Now, I don't know about you, but that is one of the most sickening things I've ever heard. And it's more sickening that it came from the president of all Americans. So essentially, he's supporting, as he has in the past, Black Lives Matter and, you know, saying, well, people really shouldn't be upset that people say it. But not only should you not be upset with that term, Black Lives Matter movement, which has caused nothing but havoc and a lot of racial division in this country. Not only should you be okay with that, you should actually feel now. Remember, he's at a memorial for five dead police officers. So guess who else is in attendance? Those five families. So not only is the president of the United States, not the black states, telling the world, oh, you should be cool with Black Lives Matter and you should be cool and feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family. You're telling that, Mr. President, to five families of five dead police officers. And to me, Mr. President, that is a slap in the face for you to go on national television, press, push your racial agenda, push your gun control agenda, push your Black Lives Matter agenda and tell me who I just lost my loved one protecting and serving those same people you say I should be okay with and I should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family? Well, Mr. President, what about the pain of the five dead police officers in Dallas, Texas that spun because of Alton Sterling, a convicted felon with a gun who resisted police? What about their pain, Mr. President. What about the pain of the Baton Rouge police officers that were shot and killed as a result of Alton Sterling 
a convicted felon who sold dope, who robbed people. What about the pain of those officers, Mr. President? And it was those type of comments. We should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family. It was those types of comments. If I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin. It was those type of comments that there's a racial disparity of how blacks are treated by white police officers. It was those types of comments that came from the president of the United States of all America that leads me to the number one story of 2016. And the number one story for 2016, the 45th president-elect, Donald J. Trump. Now, call it what you want. You can call it this, uh, what did one CNN reporter call it? A white lash, uh, destruction of the Obama legacy, all of this stuff. But my personal opinion, there was no legacy. There was nothing that President Obama did for the black community. In my opinion, there's nothing the Democrats have done for the black community in the last eight years. The one thing they were successful at was dividing this country. And again, well, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Some things the president shouldn't even speak on, right? Trayvon Martin was one of those things. Michael Brown was one of those things. Freddie Gray was one of those things that the president of the United States should not speak on. Just take, for example, if George W. Bush was speaking on white people getting killed by blacks. How would that look? It wouldn't look good. It would racially divide the country. So you can call it what you want. You can say that Trump bullied people. He was this huge racist, even though he gave a ton of money to Jesse Jackson and a bunch of other black people like Al Sharpton, who swore he was going to leave the country if if Trump got elected, but he's still here. Anyway, you can say whatever you want to say about the election. We can say that the Russians got him into the White House. All of this hacking and all of this other stuff got him to the White House. But that's not what got Donald J. Trump into the White House as the 45th president-elect. What got him there was eight years of a silent majority feeling displaced by a president that made everything black and white. And what got Donald J. Trump in the White House was people, that silent majority, me being one of those, not wanting four or eight more years of the same. Because we had Hillary Clinton, who never really liked police anyway. And if you look at history, 20 years ago, called black super predators and they should be locked up and everything else, but now to fit her agenda, supported Black Lives Matter and supported police reform and all of this other stuff, even though I've said for years, we don't need police reform, we need crime reform. So you had one president who for eight years stuck it down our throat that every white person in the world was this racist devil, then you were going to have a white person come in and say more of the same for the next four, eight years. People did not want any part of that. They 
latched on to the fact of let's make America great again. Now, there were those that said, oh, it's to make America white again. Well, Donald J. Trump has already laid out plans to help the African-American community. He never once said, I'm going to make America white again. What he did say is, let's take care of America first. Let's support our police. Let's support our military. Let's support our veterans. All of these things that got lost in the last eight years because there was no support for police. There was no support for military. There was no support for veterans. But there was support if you were a guy that thought you were a girl and you wanted to go in the girl's bathroom. Now you can do that because of this administration, right? There was support for silly stuff like that, but not the things that matter to Americans the most. And that's why Donald J. Trump is now the 45th president-elect of the United States. And that's why that is my number one story for 2016. With that, it's time for tonight's roll call and the final roll call of 2016. And it's only fitting that I express the pain of those families of the five Dallas police officers killed in the line of duty, protecting and serving those that were there protesting against them. I refuse to jump on the bandwagon of feeling the pain of Alton Sterling's family who would have sold drugs to my kids given the opportunity. Lorne Aarons, Michael Crawl, Michael Smith, Brent Thompson, and Patrick Zimaripa, five Dallas police officers shot and killed based on a lie of the death of Alton Sterling, based on a sick individual who had it out for white police officers because they're the devils. Those are the real people, the real heroes of this country. I cannot say it enough. Police are the bravest people you will ever meet in your life because they run to danger all day, every day, without a thought in their mind. Again, I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas. I thank you for listening tonight. I pray that you have a very safe, make sure it's safe. Don't go out and do something stupid. Make sure it's safe. Safe and happy new year, and I will see you in 2017. Thank you and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Radio Influence brings you the best in digital media broadcasting. When it comes to sports, we've got experts like national sports radio host Rich Herrera, the fabulous sports babe, and former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy. Want a good laugh? Then go on the beach with Pants and Roller Girl. Get Duffified live with Chef Brian Duffy. Or just LOL with Nancy Alexander. And when it comes to real life, Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger and Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill will make you think when it comes to what you want radio influence has you covered 
Find our programming on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>